Good afternoon. Anybody excited this morning? I know we we had a we pretty much had a full conference already. Amen. I just got another birthday present today. It's a it's a replica of a crusader's sword and it says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Yeah, it's it's pretty real. This is like uh this is like the fourth sword that that people somebody's given me. So I guess God wants me to keep fighting. I don't know what, what he's trying to say. Amen. Let's see if we got a holder here. I'll figure it out later. Amen. Anybody got their swords with them today? We're going to continue a message that we started last week called The Power of Ugly. If you're just joining us, no, we didn't just make that change for you. Here's the quote. You ready? The power of ugly is that it can allow you to stand in the very presence of God and not be changed. I want to continue this morning with this message talking about our ugly and His grace. How, how God makes beautiful what He loves. How, you know, the way that God reaches into the ugliest and makes it useful in this message, The Power of Ugly, Part 2. Press in, lean in, put your cell phones off, ignore them, tell the person next to you, just give me a couple minutes, callate, please, callate. You can talk to me later, amen? Let's, let's press in, let's focus, let's not distract. Understand that, you know, when we get up and walk around, it, it's, it's not just you that you're distracting. You're distracting those around you, amen? And so let, let's just give a couple of moments of reverence, if you would, and just hear what God has to say, amen? Here's, if you missed it last week, here is some, some quick keys that we came across last week. The power of ugly is that until it is unmasked, it doesn't know it's ugly. See, sometimes God brings conflict into our lives so that we can realize and see the ugly that we're walking around with. The power of ugly is that it draws your focus on the wrong things. We could be seeing transformation and, and, and lives being changed and, and people being, and, but we're too focused on the wrong things. Amen? We're focused on our own problems, our own issues, our own situations, and we totally miss it. We could be standing in the presence of God. God could be doing something. God could be miraculously transforming, and, and we're still stuck in our issues and not being moved. Amen? The power of ugly is that it makes you forget who you are. We've been talking about Jacob and how Jacob had this true-to-life, life-changing experience with God where he wrestled with God and God changed his name. God told him, you will no longer be called Jacob, which means deceiver. You would be called Israel, which means prince with God. 
But yet in this chapter, we see how sometimes Jacob is still walking like Jacob instead of Israel. The power of ugly is that it can detour you from reaching the goal. It can distract you from hitting the mark and it can deter you from finishing the race. Let's jump right off right here back into our Genesis story. We left off. Jacob had settled in the land of Shechem. This is chapter 34 in Genesis. You should kind of re-browse through it to make sure I don't make this up. Amen? Because sometimes people behind the pulpit, they get a good imagination. And they get, they get rolling. And, it's, and sometimes it's easy to kind of stray. And if you don't know what's in the Word, you'll be strayed with them. That's why I always encourage you, check what I'm saying. Check the Scripture. Check the chapter and make sure it's in there. And if it's not in there, question us about it or get out. Amen? Go someplace where they're preaching the exact Word of God and not some kind of, some kind of fancy New Age nonsense. Amen? Okay, so J- Jacob settles in the land of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan. And it says that he buys land there and, and makes his life among the Canaanites. Now, many people believe that when God called him back, he was calling him back to Bethel. And, and we remember that when Jacob made a, a vow to God, he said he would return to Bethel because that's the place where God appeared to him. But here we read that Jacob is settling in Shechem. So it could be that Jacob is putting himself in the wrong place. Now, that would make it a little easier to explain what's going to happen next in, in the life of this family. But I think there's even more to that. Listen, listen. There are definitely times throughout the Word of God when God's people settle in and become comfortable in the wrong place. Right? They settle in and and in places that they have no business being in. And that usually comes with a whole set of nasty consequences. The same is true of you and me. We, we find ourselves sometimes settled into the wrong place, settled in with the wrong people, comfortable where we don't belong. Oh, it's quiet now. See, the power of ugly is that it can make you comfortable where you don't belong. Listen, church, it is better to be uncomfortable in the place that God has you than to be comfortable where you don't belong. Somebody woke up. Amen. The power of ugly is that it will always make you choose what's comfortable over what's right. What's easy over what's difficult. What's allowable over what's righteous. What's permissible over what's perfect. What's your will instead of His will. Now, this chapter 34 that we're getting into, it has been called the most godless chapter in the entire Bible. Those of you that love the bochinche and the gossip and the drama, this is a soap opera of all soap operas. Chapter 34. Listen, chapter 34, not only does it never mention God, here's a whole chapter in the Bible, doesn't mention God one time. 
Now, we know also the book of Esther doesn't mention God, but in the book of Esther, at least we see the handiwork of God. We see God's fingerprints. But in this chapter, there's just no God. In this chapter, we, we can't see that. That is not there. And listen to me, this is proof that, that man ha- did not write the Bible. You know how people say, well, the Bible's man-made. You know, the, the man wrote the Bible. Listen, if man wrote the Bible, man would never have admitted to being this wicked, and he would never have painted the, 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 our forefathers, the forerunners in our faith, in the light that this chapter is going to paint them in. Are you intrigued? We talked last week, Dina, the only daughter of Jacob, she gets raped. How's that for a good start to a chapter? Dina gets raped. Some people um, could could argue that and say, well, it it was more like she was seduced. It looked like she was a part of it. it. Regardless, she has sex outside and she gets defiled. And now the person that has defiled her is holding her in his home. Jacob hears about this and he doesn't even react. He says, well, the boys are out in the field. I'll tell them later. I don't know how you guys would react, but tell me something like that. And ain't nothing going to wait till later. Amen? Tell me something about my daughters like that, and every sword that I own is going to come out, and I'm going to go running, and I'm going to take on and do whatever I got to do. Amen? But it says, Jacob says, well, okay, the boys are in the field, so I'll wait. And so he waited. He didn't say or do anything. Later that day, the brothers hear about it, and it says they are filled with fury. Her brothers. So Jacob doesn't do anything. And if you notice, and if you read the text, and even though God has changed his name to Israel in the past chapter, he's still being referred to as Jacob. Probably because he's still walking like Jacob. Church, people are going to call you what you act like. Facebook that. So the father comes, the father of the man that that defiled the daughter, this father has the testicular fortitude to come and meet with Jacob, and he asked for Dina's hand that that he would marry. You know, he he asked Jacob, give us your daughter, so that because my son really loves her. I mean, he raped her, but he really loves her. So, so give her to us so that he can marry. We'll give you anything. And then he says, as a matter of fact, give us your daughters. We'll give you our daughters. Let us intermarry and let us be one people. And it, the, the, the word says that, that, you know, Israel is definitely not acting. He's acting like Jacob. He's not acting like Israel. He, he doesn't do or he doesn't say anything. He doesn't handle the situation. He knows that he can't marry, intermarry with the Canaanites. His father had told him that. Remember, his father sent him out to find the wife so that he wouldn't find the wife among the Canaanites. So he knows that this thing can't go down. Jacob knows he can't agree to this, but he says nothing. Because Jacob doesn't take care of the situation, he leaves an opening for his sons to step in and do something about it. You'll notice if you read the text, Simeon and Levi are always referred to as the sons of Jacob. You're going to find out why right now. 
See, Jacob was a deceiver. He was full of tricks. And look what his sons do. Fathers, watch your walk carefully. If you don't correct your walk and your son's walk, your sons will be better at being bad than you were. Amen? The power of ugly is that it will keep you from being what, being who you have to be and doing what you know to do. So Jacob's inaction leaves an opening for his son's actions. And so the sons of Jacob step right in with this incredibly wicked plan. Verse 15, it says, he, the sons of Jacob answer the father that's asking for, for Dina's hand. And listen to what they say in verse 15, chapter 34. Only on this condition will we agree with you, that you will become as we are by every male among you being circumcised. Then we will give our daughters to you and, and, and we will take your daughters to ourselves and we'll dwell with you and we'll become one people. But if you don't listen to us and be circumcised, then we will take our sister and we will be gone. So the sons of Jacob play the holy card. They say, no, man, we can't get with you. You're not even believers. If you become like us, then we could, we could do this thing. But, he, but they're not preaching God. They're, 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 they're preaching uh, an, an effect of it. They're saying if you become circumcised like us, then you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do this. See, the, the power of ugly is that it will let us take the sacred things and treat them as common. See, circumcision was a, a covenant thing with God and God's people. So now, and, and so they, he, they tell the, the Canaanites this, and so the, uh, the Shechem and Hamer, the father, they go and they meet with all the men of, of the town, and they gather together, and, and here we see the true heart of the Canaanites. They say, listen, guys, huddle up. All the men of the city, they meet at the gate. And they say, listen, if we do this thing, they got money. They got wealth. There's a lot of them. We'll intermarry with them, and that'll be part of us. Let's do this thing. Now look how stupid these guys are. Jacob has one daughter, and she's already spoken for. So we're all getting circumcised to marry their daughters that they don't have. See, see how dumb the enemy is? But watch. Okay, so, so he gets them all together, and it says that all of them agree. Can you believe that? All the men agree, and they go and they do it. So they actually agree the next day every male in the town gets circumcised. Now, uh, 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 let's, let's have a moment of silence just for a minute. As every man just crosses their legs. Now, listen, if they had agreed to circumcision for the sake of becoming like God's people, if they had agreed for, for that sake of consecrating themselves and accepting the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, it would have been an acceptable sign of their conversion. But, but Jacob's sons weren't offering God to them and they weren't accepting God. They were just using the covenant of God as something wicked which is like the thing that baffles us the, the most. Listen, it, it shows you and me today that sometimes we can do the right thing for the wrong reasons. So they all did it. 
Every male in the city. Now, understand, this is not done like it is today with a surgical scalpel and, and anesthetics and antibiotics. This is done with a sharp rock. Now, now you boys are hurting. This is done in that time with a sharp rock. Is that clear enough? And it says, his history will tell us that once they perform this, that it would take, uh, you know, a lot of days to heal, but that particularly by the third day, they would be filled with infection and fever. And so on the third day, they would be laid out, not able to do anything, just fighting fever and fighting, you know, the healing and the recovery. Look what, look what the sons do. The word says that three days later, Levi and Simeon take the sword and walk through the entire town and kill every man. These are men of God. These are Christians. They take the sword and they walk through the entire city and kill every single man. They go to the house of Shechem and they kill him and kill his father and take poor Dina and and bring her home. And then to make things worse, as if that wasn't bad enough, it says the brothers come and they loot and pillage the whole city. They rob and steal and kill. Every, everyone in the city. And then what do they do to make it to another level? They take all of the women and children as slaves and take them captive. These are Christians. So in, in an attempt to avenge the wrong that was done to their sister, they wronged the entire city of men, women, and children. Can you, just for a second, picture the sight? It's the most horrendous sights in all of the Word of God. It's one of the worst tales that we can read about. And, and so listen, when Jacob finds out all that they did, listen to what the forefather of our faith does. All he says is, You have made my name stink. Read it in your text. He says, you've made my name stink to all these people. What people? We killed everybody. You've made my name stink and you've put me in danger. If now all of the neighboring cities around, if they get together, they could kill us and wipe us out. Bruto, estupido, look what you did. Jacob brings no correction to the boys. Jacob shows no remorse for an entire city that was tricked by the men of God using the covenant of God by the, to, to weaken them so that they can be destroyed. And so here Jacob, one of our founding fathers, is raising boys to be just like he was. Standing by as this wickedness goes on. Listen, if the Bible were the work of men, surely chapter 34 would have been left out. We wouldn't have painted our forefathers that way. We would have put just a couple of mistakes in the Bible just to make people seem human. 
But never would we tell it this story. This is proof to me that every scripture is inspired and breathed and put together by the word, by the word of God. Amen? So the question is this. Why does God allow such ugliness to mar the already shaky character of Jacob? And here's an even better question. Why would these men later make up the 12 tribes of Israel? Why would we read about heaven in the book of Revelations and discover that there are 12 gates and that on them it is written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel? These guys' names make it to heaven. Here in chapter 34, we can see, smell, taste the power of ugly. So let's fast forward real quick to chapter 35. And see what's going to happen here. Because, like, what can happen at this? What can, what can go down here? Well, look, turn to your Bibles, chapter Gen- Genesis, chapter 35, verse 1. God appears to Jacob, and God says, Arise. Go to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. I love this. Listen. Hear this. If you ignored everything else, just hear this. Wake up. Shake them. Te levántate. These guys have blown it. Can we agree? Have blown it. Say they blew it. I mean, they blew it. Would any of you give them a second chance? They blew it. Right? They, they did too much. This is one of the ugliest scenes in all of Israel's history because it was actually the people of Israel that did it. They blew it. They messed up so bad. They did worse than those that never called themselves men of God. They did ugly in the name of the Lord with the ways of the Lord. Listen, they destroyed any testimony that they could have had. They ruined any reputation that they could have ever built. They totally messed up. Anybody here been there? Any of us done that? Anybody here blown it like that? Ruined any reputation that we could have been building. And anybody here blew it so bad? So now, just when you think that godly fire, we think the next chapter, godly fire should fall down on the sky and, and burn all of them and their mothers. Right? But God shows up. God steps in. And all God says is, Arise. Arise. Come to the place where you met me. Come back to the place where we talked. Come back to the time when you were scared and you cried out and I was there. Come meet me there, God says. Listen, the word arise is a powerful word. It's the transliterated word from the Hebrew and Greek. Here's the definitions. It means to stand up. Arise means to persist. Arise means to be fixed. Arise means to be fulfilled. It means to raise oneself up. It means to become powerful again. God says, arise. And then he says, come back to me. So what does Jacob do? Verse 2 
It says, so Jacob said to his household and to all that were with him, he tells them, put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your clothes and then let us arise and go to Bethel. And so the word tells us that they gave to Jacob all of the foreign gods that they had and all of the rings that were in their ears. See, these people had become just like the people around them. They were living among the Canaanites and there was no difference between them and the Canaanites. Church, we're living in a wicked world and a lot of times there's no difference between us and those that surround us. And so Jacob says, take off the earrings, not the earrings, don't get religious on me, but back then that meant something there. Take off, give up your foreign gods, give up all that stuff and come. And, and so what happened? Jacob took all the stuff that they put and he hid it under a tree. He buried it. And verse 5, it says, and then they left. And as they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon all the cities that were around them so that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. Listen, there is nothing like a forgiven people returning to the forgiver. God said, arise, called them back home, and then protected them as they traveled. Church, I believe chapter 34 is a picture and a warning of just how far God's people, you and I, can fall when they shut God out of their daily lives. You still with me? See, you can come to church, you can buy the t-shirt, you can sing the songs, you can even amen the preacher and still shut God out of your daily life. Amen, we should have went there. Chapter 34 is the ultimate example that should frighten us to ever go a day without asking for God's presence and to to be real to us and without asking that God would be in all of our thinking and in all of our actions. It's also an example of how big and how powerful and how just and, and, and just how low the grace of... We sing a song, right? It reaches to the highest mountains. And it sinks right to the lowest valleys. But listen, church, we haven't started to understand forgiveness and grace yet until we really get your mind and heart around these chapters. I mean, what do we do with a God who keeps giving people a chance to turn things around? What do we do with a God who's so slow to anger? What do we do with a God who, who is ready to forgive anything that you and I can turn from? Does that make, is that even comprehensible? A God who's ready to forgive anything that you and I would turn from. What do we do with a God who demands extreme holiness and then on the other side makes us holy by shedding his own blood? Can you just listen to me in your spirit for a moment? Are you a hot mess right now? God says, arise. Have you done some things you're ashamed of? 
God says, arise. Have you ruined your reputation? Have you destroyed your testimony with with your friends and people around you in the church, in your community, at your job? God says, arise. Have you drifted? Have you strayed? Have you settled? Have you become complacent? Have you taken the grace of God for granted? God says, arise and come back to that place where you can hear me. See, for you and me, it's not a physical location. It's a spiritual one. God is saying, come back to the place where you and I were speaking. Come back to the, to the place where we were having a relationship. Come back to the place where you came after me and I let you catch me. Marcelo, you can play that, that worship music. I'm going to say like Jacob said to all the, his household, because this is my household. This is our household. So I'm going to say what Jacob said to his. I'm going to tell you right now, put away all of your foreign gods. What does that mean? Put away all the things that have taken my place in your life. Put away all of those things that you've put before God. Put away all of those things that, 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 that you, that you have, have placed in front of God. Put those foreign gods away. And, and then he said, take a good bath. What does that mean? Repentance, forgiveness, washing, cleansing. And then Jacob said, and put on clean clothes. What does that mean? Dress yourselves in righteousness. Dress yourselves, clothe yourselves in forgiveness and love. And then Jacob said, and go. That means walk different. Church, look different. Act different. Be different. Love different. Walk different. Listen, church, the only cure for worldliness is to separate from it. So I'm going to ask you right now, come. Arise. If that's you, arise. If that's you, arise. If that's you, come. If you found yourself in that place, arise. If you found yourself defeated, arise. Don't look around. Don't wait for anybody. This is for you. I know we've already had an altar call. I know we've already, um, some of us have already come forward, and that's awesome. But God is warning that not one, not one person here would just, listen, you might have disqualified yourself. You might come to church just to go through the motions. You might have been going through the motions for the last 10 or 15 years. God says, today, would you arise? Would you stand up? Would you become powerful again? Would you, would you lift yourself up? Arise and come. Let the, song, let the words of this song be your prayer. 
closer than before. I say, arise. You want to walk different, arise. You want to be different, arise. It's time for things to change. It's time for 
for us to move on. Listen, it's time to not be a third and fourth and fifth and sixth row Christian anymore. It's time to not be a Sunday believer anymore. It's time to, to let the love of God, to let the life of God dwell in us and dwell through us and flow in us and flow through us. It's time that when we come together Sunday, this is just a celebration of what we've been doing all week. Not, not the place that we come just, just be, to, 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 to cover up all the stuff and junk and crap that we've done all week, but the place that we come to celebrate because we've been living this way all week long. Listen, if really, if you're still back and you're still feeling disqualified and you still say, well, I've done too much, I've said too much, I've ruined reputation, I've ruined my testimony... Shut up. Shut up. That's you talking. And if it's not you talking, it's the enemy talking. So say shut up even stronger. God says arise. God says stand up. God says come forward. God says make yourself powerful again. And listen, listen, listen. Watch this. When they got there, when they all came back, after they've repented, after they, they've turned, after they've cleansed themselves, after they've bathed and showered and put on clean clothes, and when they got back to Bethel, listen what happened. God met them there. Listen, man, those of you in the front hear this. When they got back to Bethel, God met them there. And God appeared to them and God said to Jacob again, listen. He said, your name is Jacob, but that's your name no longer. From now on, your name is Israel. See, he, he hadn't been walking like Israel. Maybe you and I, we haven't been, been, been walking like Israel either. Maybe we haven't been walking in what God has spoken over us either. But he, he goes on telling Jacob, and the next thing he tells Jacob is of the promise of that God has the promise for Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and now how he's the, the, the carrier of the promise. So what I'm trying to say is that he's saying everything that he's already said to Jacob. God has already told them all of this stuff. Jacob, see, Jacob doesn't need to hear anything new. Some of us, we come to church and we say, God, I need something new. I need a fresh touch. I need a new word. I need something. And God is saying, no, you don't. You just need to walk in what I've already said over you. You just need to do what I've already told you to do. You don't need a new word. You don't need a new touch. You don't need a new wind or a fresh fire or a fresh flame. You need to start walking in what I've already called you. So can I, can I remind you today of what has already been spoken over your lives? Can I remind you today of the promises that God has already made over you? And that every day that we repent and turn back to our first love, God can repeat things to us and remind us. And only then can the power of ugly be broken. 
Come on, let's, let's give God a hand. Come on, come on. Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, for those that are here. I thank you, God. I thank you, God, for a household, God, a household of faith. I thank you, God, for a household of power, for a household, God, of men and women that will no longer sit and fall back, but men, women, children, youth that would arise, God, that would stand up, that would raise themselves up, God, that would become powerful again, Lord. Father, I pray your blessing and your covering over each and every one here, God. I pray, God, especially a really warm, accepting, just a love that we would feel up here, that you would know that God loves you, that you would know that God accepts you, that you would know that God has forgiven you. Not because I say it, but because His Word says it. So be, be forgiven, be accepted, and now when we leave this place, walk in it, walk different, amen, walk different, I understand there's prophetic ministry happening in the side rooms, if 